0: So while we're getting the computer set up, we're going to spend about 15 minutes together and focus on three things. The first, uh, trends uh, and, and specific data points in these interviews that I've done. After I sold my SaaS company in 2016, I was frustrated that there weren't benchmarks. So I started a podcast specifically so I could interview B2B SaaS CEOs. To date. I got a little addicted. I've interviewed 3,000 B2B SaaS CEOs. More importantly, I ask them all the same questions about CAC, ARPU, LTV, sales efficiency ratios, things like that. And then I run a program on their voice to basically create an Excel sheet based off data points they say. So what we'll do is first, I'll take out some of the data points. Um, I I will show you the data points. How do I get the first slide up? I'll show you the data points. And then after we talk about the data points, I'll get into trends that I see. After trends, I'll go into predictions, and that'll wrap up the 15 minutes. So here we go. We'll jump right into it. First things first, let's talk about data. So capital efficiency um, across markets, specifically markets about around how much you've raised. If I asked you who generates more ARR per dollar raised, and these are your choices, think in your mind real quick, Which kind of CEO you think is most efficient? In other words, if they've raised less than a million for every dollar right, of new ARR, they've raised X amount of money. So I'm gonna ask you real quick, if you think the most capital efficient CEOs are, that are the ones that have raised less than a million bucks, raise your hand. And specifically, again, dollars of new ARR per dollar raised. Okay? If you think it's a second category, one to five, raise your hand. Okay, and if you think it's five million plus, raise your hand. Here's the data. Again, this is based off about 3,000 B2B SaaS CEOs. If you've raised less than a million bucks in capital, you're producing about $4.80 of ARR. Let's go into the second category. One to five million, you're doing about 81 cents in new ARR. And lastly, if you raise more than five million bucks, you're currently generating about $54 in ARR per dollar raised. So if you wanna get rich, you raise as little capital as possible, right? And, you, and you, every dollar you put in, you get $4.81 back out. That's basically how that works. A lot of these companies, are using uh, comp- uh, tools like venture debt, lighter capital. A lot of these guys are in the room, AJ, DJ, Rob, and uh, the folks at Xlive. So uh, once you realize you have a ratio like this, one in $4.80 out, it makes sense for you to do non-dilutive things like take venture debt because you know that your growth is gonna outpace the interest rate you're paying on whatever that debt is. So interesting metrics there. Next segment that we dove into, average revenue per employee. Interesting, interesting efficiency ratio. Uh, on the count of three, I want you guys to yell out what you think the average SaaS company does in ARR per employee per year, okay? One, two, three. Okay, so about 10% of you said 90,000, then we had about another 10% said 130, no, just kidding. Average revenue per employee, sample size, over 60,000 employees across everyone I've interviewed. Uh, and and by, by the way, you can see, this is kind of, this is how the data set gets created on gitlatka.com, so that right column is revenue per employee. You see ProsperWorks, Boomerang, These guys, they're in the 300K range, that's per year, AR per employee. The average across the entire data set is 137 grand. Okay, so in your mind right now, if you're running your own SaaS company, take your total ARR, divide that by your total team, and see if you're above or below this. If you're making more more per employee, congratulations. If you're making less, maybe you're hiring too fast. Slow down, right? All right, next data point. Which private SaaS companies are growing the fastest? And this is specifically based off uh, MRR numbers in December 2016. Compared to MR numbers in December 2017. Um, talking a little bit later, I'll tell you why I get all this data and why CEOs are, are happy to give it to me. But we're gonna focus on 10 million plus AR because obviously it's easy to go from a dollar in AR to $2 in AR and call it 100% growth. So the fastest growing companies are, and I'll show you this in a second, the, the, the confirmation on this data is from the podcast when they come on. And then I generate a merge tag field to all the CEOs that says confirming your MR today is blank relative to what it was, uh, relative to what it was on the show. So there's, my point is there's double confirmation here. What they said on the podcast and then I take what they said and email it to them to make double sure. Right, so this is the data. Jelly's the fastest growing, about 266% growth year over year. They're going from 500 grand in MR December 2016 to 1.8 million in MR December 2017. These are MRR numbers, multiplied by 12, right, if you're doing AR stuff. Pendo's uh, Pendo's up there, PandaDoc, Grow.com, NoBe4, obviously touching the cybersecurity space with Malwarebytes and a lot of the other folks in that space, Sigilin, et cetera. So hot spaces. Same thing, but if we go down market a little bit, so a million bucks in ARR, you've got Hyper sitting at the top. It's interesting, two influencer marketing platforms are sitting on this list with Hyper at the top, Presley at the bottom, going between 260% year-over-year growth and, again, 820% year-over-year growth. You can scroll through this full list in the Excel sheet, again, on the website. It's all free, so you don't have to take pictures or anything, but you're welcome to. So when you start wondering, why are some of these companies doing so well? Why do some of these data points exist? You wanna start to dive into the trends, right? And see if you can take some of these averages, then cut up the averages, and see little minute things happening inside that maybe you guys can replicate. So here are some of the trends that I'm seeing across all these interviews. Uh, First off, if I asked you, are payback periods generally increasing or decreasing? On the count of three, just tell me what you think. Again, either increasing or decreasing. One, two, three. Increasing okay. Generally speaking, the hyper growth companies are actually decreasing payback periods. Slower growth companies are increasing payback periods. Maybe opposite what you might've thought. So they're generally decreasing. Pendo's a great example here. You can see here, this is his profile. He came on the show, he gives me all the data. The data then automatically populates into his company card, which shows up on the site. He's got again about 4.8 million bucks in AR when he came on the show. He's paying about 24 grand to acquire these customers. And you can see, again, from an ARPUs perspective, they're paying about 2K per month. That's ARPS, right? We heard that earlier. So again, 12-month payback period there. His payback period, as he scaled, has decreased over time. So he's going from 18 months to 16 months to 14 months down to 12 months. Slower growth companies, they're actually extending that. right? And they'll say things like, well, we can afford a longer payback because LTV, to, you, know, you know, lifetime value is longer. And they say things like, we don't spend anything on CAC because it's organic marketing, right? And well, you gotta do fully weighted. Take the content marketing team, divide. They just ignore things like this, right? So um, that's important. Uh, next trend we're seeing, how are CEOs actually using CAC to LTV ratios? Um, you heard a little bit about why CAC to LTV ratios are dangerous in an earlier presentation from the, again, MindBody CEO. And he, here's, here's generally what I'm seeing from folks, right? they will say things like, we've got a CAC to LTV of something ridiculous. So on the right side here, I'm gonna go to revenue and go down to economics, and then sort by LTV to CAC on the right column, and you see those are astronomical numbers, right? And these are reputable companies. You can see their AR and their customer count in the first column. So they're saying 22, 17, 13. The reason is because a lot of these people, they they all sort CAC differently. They'll say, we're not doing any direct spend, but then they have a 20 person content marketing team, and they're not taking the salaries and dividing, they're not doing fully weighted, right? Or they've got you know, you know, 4% logo churn, so they then do one divided by 0.04 and assume these customers stay with them for 60 months, right? an LTV thing, but they don't understand the risks of why that LTV might cut off from a new market competitor in a year. Right? So generally speaking, the CEOs that are driving the most growth and getting the most attention from investors, getting the highest valuations, are focusing on payback period, first and foremost, before a healthy LTV to CAC ratio. There are literally thousands, maybe not thousands, but 1,200, 1,600 companies I've interviewed where their LTV to CAC is incredible. 10, 11, 12, but their payback period, horrendous. Massive cash gap problems. So they're focusing on payback periods, again, over LTV to CAC ratios. Last last trend here, what are fast growing SaaS companies doing that slower growth ones are not? And this is difficult, because remember, my input here is not web scraping data points, it's a, it's a 15 minute Skype interview with the CEO, so it's very quantitative, you know, charm the hell out of them, get, you know, then tell me your cap table, right? Charm the hell, what's your salary? Charm the hell, like, what was your valuation, right? So it's hard to get this stuff, but here's what I've seen. And we're gonna use T-sheets as an example. This is Matt Rissell. He came on, you can see some of his data down there in the bottom, but when he came on, he was doing about 30, 35 million bucks in AR. He came on in September, gave okay, of 2017. Right, and here's a little bit about what he said, and I'm gonna, artic- I'm gonna preface this, this video by saying, his number one growth channel was monopolizing the Intuit app exchange. He figured out how to rank number one in there, over 2,000 five-star reviews, and over 60% of his new customers came from that ranking in the app store. And I said, well, you know what? I wonder if he's considering a sale, right? So based off monopolizing that one channel, here's what he said. Yes, Brad Smith with a- yeah, Intuit number, uh, by the way, comes and writes you a sort of fifty million check. to sell the company? Oh, you know. <laughs> it. a very strong no. Is he lying? Is he lying? I do you know to answer question. I said, you know, Brad Smith is a, um, he's, a he's a very CEO. This is September 11th, 2017. Okay, this is two months later. <laughs> So, I mean, he's in the middle, literally. He's about a week away from signing the purchase agreement. Okay, so, I mean, this is why I love getting these CEOs on. They squirm, you saw he squirm like hell. That's how you know they're right now selling, right? I mean, squirm like hell, didn't even, I mean, he was like, how did this guy just come up with this? The reason is, these CEOs that are growing the fastest and getting the, you know, these kinds of exits, they're monopolizing a single distribution channel. They're not trying to do everything. So you should consider a channel you can monopolize. By the way, what's the, what's the perfectly competitive acquisition channel everyone uses, Google AdWords. It's perfectly competitive, that's why Google makes so much money. It's the last place you wanna go if you're trying to decrease caps. You wanna go find a channel, monopolize the hell out of it, and by the way, if you end up like Matt, it ends up potentially being your exit. Right? That, that company that owns a channel that you monopolized ends up buying you. Right? That's why Intuit again acquired these guys. So, monopolize the distribution channel. Let's get into some predictions now, and these are my favorite. These are my favorite predictions. First off, data will IPO. You know, I had. I had Billy on. You know, he's an ex-football coach from Pittsburgh. He was brought in to, again, run this company. And, um, again, I'll show you here a little bit about this interview. I'll play the video. Well, well north of 200. Yeah, no, between 100 and 200 That's million. That's fair? Okay. yeah. Okay. So how many of you guys, just out of curiosity, you listen to the podcast? Anyone? Yeah, so, like... You got, you, can you guys tell when I'm like teeing up the CEO to like get the revenue number? And you're always like, is he going to get it or not? It's like every show. It's a game for me. I'm like, OK, they won't tell me, the, me the revenue, so I'll ask customer count in the first five minutes, and ARPU in the last five minutes, and then I'll multiply and trap them at the end, right? And they won't realize the multiplication. So anyways, they give me this, this data. Billy went on to tell me about all these reasons why he was brought in, who they're bringing on CFO-wise. I bet money on the next 12 months, you'll see Datastack IPO. They're doing between 100 and 200 right now. Second prediction, I think Hootsuite and Sprinkler will merge. when I. Had Reggie on the show and had Ryan Holmes on the show. You know, Ryan's having a lot of trouble driving expansion ARPU across an SMB customer base. Right? He's sending people that want more sophisticated features to Raji and Sprinkler. Reggie's having the opposite problem, which is he doesn't want to go down market, higher customer costs, higher churn. He sends them to Hootsuite. I think they both need each other. I think you're going to see them merge. We'll see if that happens. Last prediction is Fusionsoft will sell to Vista. Clate hates when I say this, but he's canceled ICON. I mean, this is their. Tri- Any of you guys ever been to ICON? It is like their number one customer conference. They spend millions on it. People love it. They randomly canceled it. And then I started seeing the LinkedIn employee count go down. People are leaving Infusionoff. I'm going, what's happening? The last time they raised was in 2014. And then this happened, right? I put out an article about this and Clayton said, Nathan, what the hell are you doing? You can't say that. That's not true. And I said, well, come on the show. We'll talk about it. Here's what he said. We don't have to raise more money. We're going to raise more money in terms of an IPO or in terms of public money or private money if we want to because we have strategic things we're trying to do that help drive the mission of the company. So you're cash flow positive as of today? Correct. Got it. We have been for about a year. We have been for about a year. He went out of his way to make sure that I knew he was cash flow positive. Listen, if you're a hyper growth company in SaaS, you're not talking about cash flow. Now, if you're selling to a private equity firm, you're definitely talking about EBITDA. You're definitely talking about cash flow. Mark my words, I think you see Vista buy these guys for about a 750 to 850 million bucks in the next 12 months. It's a 7.2x multiple, that's what Vista loves. I think it'll happen. Lastly, I'm talking about Blue Oceans here as we wrap up. Peter, how are we doing on time? Good, all right, good. Blue Oceans. Number one, WordPress. If I told you WordPress, one of the largest private B2B SaaS companies, consider it an ICO, raise your hand if you'd believe me. No one? Here's what Matt said. You know, WordPress has a huge ecosystem, tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people that make their living from WordPress outside of Automatic. And it'd be great for them to be able to have a piece of the business. So that's actually something. If there were a way that didn't create tons of regulatory and disclosure, hassles and everything like that, that I could give or that everyone who'd ever contributed to WordPress have some ownership in Automatic, I would do it. <laughs> now, Matt, come on. This is ironic, uh, like token issuance. Sure. Awkward. Um, that is kind of a way to IPO without IPOing, right? And and do what you just said very well. I, I thought about that, but I think did that you really? You seriously considered it? Of course. Um, a major SaaS company considering an ICO. Unbelievable. You will see Block One when they release their EOS platform, which is essentially equivalent to what Bill Gates released with Windows as an operating system for computers. Block One is essentially, at least, what Brendan and Dan are building, the CEO and founder, CTO of Block One. EOS is essentially an operating system for companies to take advantage of blockchain, right, in a form that is decentralized so that if you have a SaaS company, where the SaaS company is highly dependent on hundreds of thousands of users, and you want to give them a piece of it, a securitized piece of it, right? Um, you can do that, and so you're going to see a, a huge expansion, in my opinion, of DAX SaaS, and that's decentralized autonomous companies, right? Decentralized. That's basically the EOS operating system on top of Block One, basically enables you to launch these companies, which I believe we'll call DAX. So you're going to see a huge category emerge. I think in the next twelve to twenty-four months, called DAX SaaS, and, uh, You heard it here first. When when you see the headlines about them doing an ICO or token issuance, I'm telling you it'll happen. Uh, He can't obviously say that, but I think it'll happen here in the next 12 months. Next government out of service explodes um, as confidence totally erodes in our government. (laughs) I'm I'm talking your local police force in your neighborhood. I'm talking waste collection. I'm talking anything government touches, I think you're going to see a massive expansion of government as a service. Now, when Nathan, you know, if if I'm in the space and someone goes, Nathan, hey, what space are you in? And I say, yeah, I have a a gas platform. Uh, That's not sexy, so if anyone came up with a different acronym for this, let me know. But I think you're gonna see government as a service totally explode, completely explode. Lastly, PDF filler. These are some undercover guys up in Boston. I think you're going to see many more companies raising capital. That is not true venture capital or venture debt, but they're going to do roll-up strategies as a form of growth. PDF Filler just did a big deal to spin out Sign Now out of Barracuda, and I think you're going to see them buy their way to a billion-dollar company here over the next 12 to 24 months. This guy named Boria, his number one growth channel for this company, which is basically fill out PDF forms, is every time you you put a form into them or you use them, they launch almost 40,000 new landing pages a month because they use what you put in the system to generate content for the landing pages, which then when you search for template for forming a new company on Google, they pop up every time. And so the users create the advantage in the network effects. So I think you'll see them, uh, again, do that. Uh, lastly, guys, that's what I got. We talked about data, we talked about trends, we talked about predictions. If you want to explore all this data yourself and cut it 10,000 different ways, you can go here, getlatka.com, you can go there now, you can check it out, scroll through it, cut it how you want, new companies added daily. And Peter, if we have time, I'm happy to take questions. Yeah, we have time for a couple of questions. Great. What do you guys think, by the way? Do you like the data stuff? Yeah, it was good? Good, you're good, good, good. All right, now hit me with uncomfortable questions, the most uncomfortable questions. All right, yeah, go ahead. I'm intrigued on the gas that you talked about. You're, you're intrigued with my gas, is that what you said? Well, we can talk later, Carol. How do you see? I agree that that's where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. The government's going to be providing that kind of service in a variety of ways. No, I think what he's saying is it's going to be private- privatized. I'm take exactly. the money in advance, and then and then the private sector will run. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, that will be, they'll, they'll take the pressure off the government. So, so e- yes. 100% software CEOs will start attacking more and more of this space. It's a shame to me that we've got Silicon Valley, some of, the smartest, some of the smartest cybersecurity people in the world in the U.S., but we still get hacked by everybody. I mean, what's wrong? That doesn't make any sense to me. So, I mean, you're gonna see this stuff, I think, be privatized. And by the way, I, know, I mean, I can't say this because someone will find one example that's not true, but I mean, listen, Trump's a business guy. He calls up Bezos and he goes, listen, I'm gonna do this beautiful thing with corporate taxes, take it down to 21%, but here's what you're gonna do you're gonna overpay the government to privatize the Postal Service, and you're gonna do that in 2019, right before the elections. That's why I'll bring the tax rate down. I mean, listen, maybe he's not cutting these deals, but I guarantee you he is looking at ways to privatize as much of this as possible. And my hope is a lot of it falls in the hands of software entrepreneurs. Good, I'm gonna cut you off here. Any other questions? Hey, maybe, yeah. Brock Pierce was one of the founders of EOS. Yeah, that's yeah. the one you're talking about, right? Yeah. So Brock founded EOS, but you've got Dan as really the CTO who created Block One, and you've got Brendan who's kind of the CEO, and then Brock is kind of in with them. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. In yeah. So the the, the question is, um, Brock Pierce founded EOS, which is a part of Block One. And the question is, why not Ethereum? Uh, Ether and Bitcoin, these are, these are, this is the speculative side of the market. I'm not talking about the speculation. I'm talking about the hard tech. The idea that you can have anonymized information going, going in and out of something on a ledger, right? And this is what crypto is. I mean, this is, what, this is why I think DAX will be huge, but uh, that's the reason it will take off. By the way, I believe what will significantly erode Facebook's market share, and potentially is all these other big guys if they don't get ahead of it, is you will see a social network uh, launched on top of block one where I sign up, all of you sign up. We import our data. Let's just use our phone data, for example. So you maybe have Mint on your phone. It's financial data. Maybe you have um, your map. So you have where you drive data, all that. And they'll go online. You own it all because it all has, again, it all has, it's all on the ledger, right? It all has got 19 piece. You actually own your digital content. You can then go to a page that says Marketplace. And Honda will say, I'm willing to pay you, what's your name? Say, Honda will say, David, I'm willing to pay you 10 cents per month for all your driving data. And you will say yes or no. And so this is interesting because if these big CPG companies want all your data and they're willing to pay for it, you could get to a point where every human being on earth is making 1000 know, 1, bucks a month, 2000 bucks a month just by selling what they do. That's interesting when you start thinking about universal income. And that, that's a capitalist way to do universal income. So we'll see if that happens or not. Nathan, I'm going to ask you to stop, but Nathan, you'll be around to ask yes. to some more questions. Yep. Uh, let's give Nathan a hand. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> appreciate oh, wow. it. Well. Yep, appreciate it.